0: Everything technology from computers to mobile phones, TVs, and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you, you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Welcome to Your Tech Life. This is episode 334, and I'm live in San Francisco this week with Apple at uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference now. Uh, If you've listened to two blokes talking tech, uh, I'll cover Worldwide Developers Conference a bit later with my own views, but uh, a bunch of other things I want to talk to you about that I've played with uh, in terms of technology over the last week or so, Um, and I should apologise at this point because it is possible I may hit a tired streak here. It is five o'clock in the morning here in San Francisco. I've just done a radio interview um, back in Sydney, and there's no chance of me getting back to sleep, so I thought, hey, let's do this. It's uh, pretty much... Uh, the normal Tuesday night uh, recording time anyway. So uh, we do it all your tech life thanks to the good people at, at Alcatel and the GoPlay uh, waterproof, shockproof, dustproof smartphone and, of course, Garmin, satellite navigation and GPS technology. Now, might be a massively long shot. I just wanted to run through some of the cool gadgets we've been playing with over the last little while. Um, the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S... Um, I got this when it first came out probably a month ago and I was impressed it was a good looking tablet, um, you know, full Windows machine, keyboard was included. I thought that was a good reason to be to be excited about it because things like the keyboard are often an accessory you got to pay more for. But a week and a half ago, they sent me the new version which is only slightly different because it's got a SIM card slot. Now, I've banged on about this for a long time I remember it's probably a year or two ago now I said that Apple could do really well if they released a MacBook Air with a SIM card slot, you know, a little SIM tray. And they know that technology. It's in iPads, it's in iPhones. It wouldn't be a hard thing for them to work out. And I think the problem is that Apple and others think that tethering your smartphone to your computer is the easiest way to go. And it is a very good way of getting online. I do it a lot. But having now had a SIM card inside what is essentially a laptop the the samsung galaxy tab pro s i honestly think it's the coolest way to go obviously you know you've got to have a second sim account and all those kind of things but just assuming you're okay with all that it's very usable very user-friendly so for example i'm sitting on a train um you know coming back from the city and i just pulled out the galaxy tab pro s with 4g sat it on my lap and started working I didn't need to open my phone and turn on the hotspot and connect the Wi-Fi and because they rarely, rarely ever just suddenly connect to each other. Um, some will hold their connection better than others, but when there's a SIM card built in, it just works. Now, it's a $1,750-odd device, about $150 more than the one without a SIM card, but I've got to say, if you are in the market for a convertible tablet laptop-style device, it's a similar thing to when people say, which iPad should I buy? Should I buy the one with cellular and Wi-Fi or just Wi-Fi? If you've got the 150 extra, get the cellular because you can't add a SIM slot later, right? So you can't add that option on. You may as well get it and not use it or use it infrequently then never have the option to use it. So um, I took a bunch of photos and I've put up a review at eftm.com.au. Oh, I've got to say, really impressive device, uh, it's not it's a it's a mobile processor so it's not going to do you know video editing or anything like that but snappy performance you know touch screen obviously because it's a tablet and not too flimsy i mean the my only real complaint with it two complaints um which i think are critical to to mention if if you're thinking about getting one um the keyboard is a bit strange when you either accidentally or or purposely take the kind of the keyboard fold it back so you take the tablet out of the dock to you know, push it back or just sit it differently, the screen turns off because it thinks it's going to sleep even though you haven't actually chosen to do that. And the other one probably more annoying is it feels like the battery depletes when you're not using it more than any other device. So I've had iPads that, you know, you charge 100%, you use them for a couple of minutes and then you leave them sitting on the desk. And then a week later, they're still at, you know, 80%. Um, this thing, for example, it must be um, Friday night. I'm trying to think when I charged it, but I charged it, used it for not long and then sat it in my bag and I got here to San Francisco and the thing was dead. Like I hadn't used it outside of, you know, the first couple of percent and it was dead. So it depleted its entire charge in just a few days. So I think it it kind of stays very active, which is probably a good thing. If you use it regularly, it'll stay actively connected to your Wi-Fi and all those kind of things. But if you don't use it as a daily driver, you may find you come back to it. And it's dead, so just a word of warning on the samsung galaxy tab pro s uh Apple watch owners um cool device I played with, and all this stuff is on EFTM, but um but want to make sure I, I share them with you in case you missed them during the week uh, on the website um uh, if you've got an apple watch, you probably know that it's not waterproof it will be it is splash resistant you can um you know wash your hands and and those kind of things you probably shouldn't shower with it. Now, a lot of people say to me, oh, I swim with it, I do all these things, but it's not warranted for that. So there is a likelihood that you're actually damaging the product. It's possible that things like the microphone or the speaker might be degraded over time by consistent submersion, as they say. Um, But I grabbed a thing from uh, the distributors, MacGear Group, uh, last week called the Catalyst. Now, this is a case for your apple watch now i thought about how the hell does a case work but you've got it what you got to do is think about the apple Watch's two bits it's the face and then it's the band so you take the band off and you're left with this little fob watch style you know piece of technology and it is essentially a tiny weenie bit of technology when you think about how big an apple watch is and what you do is you then take that little fob watch face and you put it inside the catalyst case. So a kind of silicon membrane goes round it, and then the two, the front and back come together, clip together, and you screw them together with a little tiny screwdriver. And critically, the um, the watch face is exposed. So you're actually touching the, the watch face. There's not a screen over it, and it uses uh, life proof. Fray, have a similar thing for iPads and, and iPhones, where the the force of the case squeezing together pushes the membrane onto the screen to create the waterproof seal. So you, you you can see the membrane around the outside. You've got to be a bit careful when you put it on, make sure you've really put it on properly. But um, yeah, fully waterproof, um, submergible. I think they call it ATM5 or something, but I think that's about 50 meters. Basically, happily swim with it, don't scuba dive is, is the broad recommendation from what I read about the IPS rating. Um, and it's not actually... When I saw it first, I thought it was going to be ugly. It's not actually that big and ugly. It was quite easy to wear. I, I wore it for a few days. It was completely fine the band probably not as you know great as some of the others you might have with your apple watch but you know it's got it's got to be fit for purpose you know you've got to get one that um you know fits the purpose and the purpose might be being waterproof well you got to deal with the band um so yeah really cool products about um about 80 or 90 dollars um so if you know someone with an apple watch who loves their swimming and whatnot maybe a great little uh gift idea uh a few more things before we talk about apple um This was cool. I did a story last week on the Today Show about um, uh, cars and the future of cars and different things. And one of the things we mentioned was um, ways or apps to um, save money. And we talked about different efficiencies in cars. But then um, they mentioned, I hadn't heard of this product, but they mentioned to me a product called GoFar. It was originally a Kickstarter campaign, an Aussie one too. And uh, I mentioned it, and uh, the people from GoFast Go Fast saw it, and I uh, they sent me one. So I put it in the car this, this uh, past week, and uh, a very cool gadget. So you might not know, but in your car is what's called an onboard diagnostics port. Now, that port sits you know, under the dashboard, and it's where a mechanic might plug in to see how the car's performing. It's where, you know, you can plug in other... Um, you know, monitoring systems. So this one um, plugs in there, little dongle, little just a one centimeter dongle plugs in there and, and gets power from the car and also data. And then a small cable uh, runs up on your dashboard and very easy to conceal from that location as well. Um, to a little device uh, they call Ray because um, it looks like a light array or I don't know radar. I guess probably looks like too. But essentially, it's a, it's very beautifully designed uh, little unit. It's not chunky and ugly. It sits on top of your dashboard in your line of sight. And it has these LED lights in it, which shine green when you first use it. But after about five trips, it learns about your car and they shine blue. But the critical thing is, it's constantly in real time monitoring your performance. So if you accelerate off the line, it goes red to say, whoa, 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 what's with the acceleration? If you hard brake, it'll go red. And so it's trying to encourage you to drive more smoothly and therefore more efficiently. So um, that's called go far. And basically, you've got to try and drive in the blue zone. And you know what? I found myself from the first minute driving very differently. You know, you go up a hill, sometimes you get to the bottom of the hill and you gun it to kind of, you know, get the momentum up, Uh, you know, it goes red. And I went, hang on a minute, and you just drive gently and and you get up the hill in the same space of time, essentially, you know, you're not running up the arse of people, and the lights stay blue. Now, their theory is you're saving something like 20% on your f- fuel bill because of the efficiency of your driving over time. Um, and I don't doubt that, to be honest. If you stick to it and you drive more efficiently, it could have a huge impact on your fu- fuel. But also, if you're someone who um, you know, keeps a driver log... Um, this thing will do that for you, so you can actually tag different trips, you know, work, clients, whatever it is. Um, you can see the trips on a GPS because it's got GPS. Um, you can see the fuel efficiency, your acceleration, your braking. All the trips are logged. It's a very, very cool bit of kit. So if you drive a lot, I think the Go Far is probably well worth looking at. It was a very cool little item. It's about two hundred, excuse me, two hundred dollars, um, and yes, yeah, so it's an Aussie. Uh, Aussie Invention, and originally a Kickstarter campaign. Check it out. I think it's gofar.co. Now, have you got a micro SD card? You know, in your GoPro, or in my case, a drone. And you've ever been, like, you're taking photos or something, and then you really want to tweet them or Instagram them or something. But how do you get them off? With a GoPro, you might use wireless transfer and things like that. Never very fast. Lexar have a product called the micro SD with lightning. Now, yeah. excuse me, the um, tiny little thing, like a $2 coin size, and about from the memory, but it's on EFTM.com.au, about $79. No, it might be less. Um, anyway, cool little item, because you plug it into your mobile phone, your iPhone, with a lightning adapter or your iPad, you download the Lexar app, and you can plug the microSD card in and view the storage. So you can actually then see the photos or video you've taken and transfer it onto your device. So you can interchange, you can move stuff from your device onto the micro SD card, or from the micro SD card onto your device. So you take a photo with a GoPro or a drone, you can plug it into your into your phone and, and instantly download that, and then tweet away or something like that. My only um, word of warning to people is, I did this, um, and I'll talk about the Phantom Four in a minute. Um, we were down shooting. Um, with the new drones uh last week uh, with rob and matt a couple of couple of mates and listeners and i shot a, shot a few videos and i put the thing in and it said the the camera roll on my phone was not able to play back the video that i was trying to transfer because i shot it in 4k now i was using a, an iphone se my gut feeling is that with a 6s or a 6 and 6 plus 6s plus um you would be able to view the 4K file because, you know, you can edit 4K on, on a 6. So I have a feeling that will work. But just a word of warning, if you've got an older iPhone, um, it may not uh, like the 4K videos. Uh, so that's a great little product from Lexar and uh, details of that one are up on the website now. Um, so we're talking about drones. Um, the Phantom 4 has been out now for a few couple of months. And I finally got a hold of one to have a bit of a fly with. Now, you know, I've got a Phantom 3 Pro, um, which is kind of the top of the line last year model, I guess. And I kind of wanted to see what was the difference and whether or not it was, A, appealing to upgrade for the average owner. But also, you know, where did it sit in the market? Now, I've got to be honest, beautifully impressive machine. Um, Just in terms of general looks and, I guess, quality, it feels like a much more expensive device because or craft as you might say it's a it's a it seems like a harder plastic it's a it's a shiny resin it's not a you know a cheap matte plastic and next to the phantom 3 it looks it makes the phantom 3 look cheap because it's a beautiful sleek machine it's a very slightly different bulgy design because the gimbal of the camera is now up inside the guts of the drone um Very similar in every other mode of operation. The the propellers go on in a much more simple way, which is great. The gimbal, as I say, is fully built in, but it's the exact same camera quality. Um, Flight time is longer because of a better battery. Speed is faster. Ascent and descent are faster because of the efficiency of the blades. Um, But two uh, really, really great features that Absolutely, make it stand out and make it the best drone on the market in my view. Uh, obstacle avoidance. So it has two little cameras on the kind of the landing gear legs that are f- constantly looking forward. So where you fly, it's looking, and uh, using kind of the same way your left and right eyes create uh, the, the the depth. It um it can tell whether it's going to run into something allegedly now we didn't test this i'll be honest because i didn't want to crash it but um yeah it could tell it can uh, find an obstacle and avoid it so if you're tracking something you know in a straight line and there was you know a huge you know eight foot boulder and you're flying at seven foot it'll fly over that um in theory now I get that, and I think that's great. It'll often just kind of stop there. I've watched a lot of videos about it. It seems to work really well. But in my view, some of the obvious accidents that occur, and I've had a couple um, with a drone, is just when when you're flying quite fast. I'm not sure how well it will react there. And also when you're flying sideways, and it's only got forward-facing obstacle avoidance cameras. So while it's a great feature, I think the Phantom 5 will probably have even better technology, likely in a kind of 360-degree um, rotation uh, so it can see all around it um, and one of the things I was thinking about and I wrote this in my review I think it would be great if the the drone had obstacle avoidance of itself so it could find other drones within range and it would just automatically not fly near them um, we had four drones on the uh, last week and we were flying maximum three at a time um, but you know, we were we were being very, I think, smart about it. You know, you go left, I'll go to the centre. You go right, and we'll keep at different heights and different things. So there wasn't we didn't even get anywhere near each other. But if you're flying a drone, here's the interesting thing: you've got no idea if someone else is in the area because you can't hear these things very well um, from most distances when you're flying. So unless you take off from the exact same spot and there's someone standing next to you, you don't know there's another drone in the air, um, or a fighter jet, whatever you might see. Um, but there's no way of kind of avoiding other craft, So I think probably a useful thing is um, is for that technology to come in. But the other cool, cool thing about the Phantom Four is the active tracking. So uh, you let's—I was standing on the beach. Uh, Matt was flying his Phantom Four, and I was on screen. And what he did was draw a little box around me, and then a go button appeared. He pressed go, and I walked along the beach and then ran like an idiot. And it was following me. The drone actively tracked me. It was very, very cool because you can do this with a Phantom 3, but it tracks the controller. So you've got to have the controller in your hand and it kind of follows it with GPS. This follows an object based on the video. Very, very cool. So you could, if you had an open space, and remember it doesn't, I'm still not convinced about telegraph wires and, and things like that, certainly it should see trees, but be warned it might not. You could track, you know, motorbike riding along. You could track anything. Um, really, really cool bit of technology that make, honestly, it, it's if you have the money, it's worth the buy. It's $2,400. But as a Phantom 3 Pro owner, it doesn't offer me great flight capabilities. It doesn't offer me better video or photos. So I don't think it's worth the upgrade. Um, but as someone who doesn't own a drone, I think it's the best on the market. And honestly, just a great thing to fly. So really impressive bit of kit um, check out the full review on eftm.com.au and a little video uh, as well so you can see some of the pictures of it the active tracking and uh, and also some of the shots we got off the coast of uh, of the royal national park south of sydney the phantom four from dji check it out at eftm.com.au now quickly last thing before we talk about apple um xbox uh well, I should say two things. E3 is a huge gaming uh, convention down in um, Los Angeles at the moment. Um, PlayStation announced today the availability of the PlayStation VR would be October 13 in Australia, New Zealand, and America. So we're getting it on day one. $550, as you recall, was announced in March. Great price, great device, cannot wait to get one. Um, and then they announced a heap of uh, of games, titles, that will also be available for um, for VR interesting that's pretty much all they announced was games titles and and the vr uh, launch date whereas over at xbox microsoft announced a brand new console called the xbox one s come in 500 gig one terabyte and two terabyte versions and it's 40 percent smaller than the current xbox which is a big deal the xbox is a big thing um and one of the things if you've got an xbox one or you've seen one has this huge power brick you know it's got a cable from the back that doesn't go straight into the wall it goes into a, one of those bricks and it's the size of a bloody house brick it's ridiculous well they've incorporated that somehow into the xbox which is also 40 percent smaller now it shouldn't be any surprise because it's probably i haven't sat it side by side but it's probably very similar size now to the playstation 4 which doesn't have a power brick so i don't know how microsoft missed that one first go round, but they did in my view Anyway, so um, the Xbox One S will be available in August. You can pre-order now. But critically also, they announced Project I don't know, Scorpion or something, um, which is their 2017 console. So you can imagine at this time next year at E3, they will uh, unveil uh, the next Xbox, which won't be a replacement. They're saying Xbox One family will be the Xbox One, the Xbox One S, and this Project Scorpion thing. Um and so there'll be three models that run games and whatnot. But some games, I'm sure, will only be capable of being played on the new high-end box. Things like VR—they're saying that they need to create something with teraflops of, you know, graphics capability so that they can run VR. Um, and uh, Sony interestingly said, "Well, ours can already do VR." But I think you'll find Microsoft will probably smash PlayStation out of the market with a with a device that can do higher resolution so actually announced it's two bits of hardware one kind of future thinking and one current so that was quite big for microsoft and um you know the future is strong for xbox obviously there was there was some silly talk of xbox disappearing but i didn't think that was ever going to happen uh anyway so uh photos of the new xbox one s uh, up at eftm.com.au now san francisco is where i am i'm here with apple and um i don't know i've never been to worldwide developer conference before um I think it was what i expected but it was also disappointing because there wasn't any you know amazing announcement of a product or anything so there's nothing to walk away from there's nothing uh, to have <coughs> excuse me held and looked at and you know played with as a, as a gadget it's all software which is smart because this is a software week they've got software developers in town why would you bother with hardware that's what this is very very smart and what um what they announced and they Tim Cook really made a point of kind of slating that uh, they have four platforms now, um, and those platforms are you know, critical for the future of, of Apple. They are iOS for your iPad and your iPhone. They are Watch OS for the Apple Watch. They are TV OS for the Apple TV, and now named Mac OS, replacing the name OS X Mac OS for the Mac. Um, and each one of those systems had an update. Now, on the Apple Watch front, great great advances here um the apple watch is a great device it doesn't need a hardware update it's a good device but it's still sluggish you know you open an app it takes a long time to load watch os 3 is instant so it has background app refresh it has instant app access it has uh it's replaced the friends button on the side with a uh, app dock a whole bunch of things they're doing that really i think will take the apple watch and i said this to stephen Finnick. if you listen to two blokes talking tech it It really creates the Apple watch 2.0. So it's the third version of software, but it really reinvigorates the Apple watch. So I think people with an Apple watch will probably get great um, use out of it. And I think people who have been hesitant to get an Apple watch will really enjoy what the uh, watch os three does for the Apple watch. Um TVOS bit of a meh thing for um for Australia because we don't really get the same the things they do in in America, they have you know streaming, uh, media services, they have all their, you know, HBO Now and ESPNs and all those kind of things. But in Australia, we kind of just have the catch-up services from the telcos, from the TV companies, and I don't see them going all the way down the path of some of the things that have been announced uh, in um, in the TV OS. But the remote app for your iPhone will be updated to um, be very similar to the to the new Siri-enabled um, TV remote. Um, there's a dark mode, so in a dark theater or a dark room, and you don't have that bright white of the Apple um, apple tv screen and um you know apart from that really not a lot um, of enhancements siri will expand so siri does a whole lot more than um than she used to and app developers will get access to siri as well so (coughs) that's that's very good from um uh, tv os mac os though siri is coming to mac so the rumor was was spot on Siri coming to Mac, um, which is good So to be able to say, hey Siri, um, find me the files I created last Tuesday and she'll bring you up those files and you can actually then pin the results to your notification bar so you can utilize them. So you might say, uh, find me photos of Jackson and you might be doing a presentation about Jackson and you can drag them in and it's a very, very simple thing but I think it has great impact on, on the usability of the Mac. Um, uh, what else is on the on the Mac? Really, not a lot of major things. A lot, a lot of interesting little bits and pieces. Um, you'd be able to unlock your Mac just by wearing an Apple Watch. If it's you and it's your Apple Watch and it's your Mac, it'll unlock. Um, Continuum or um, uh, the portability of information between your mobile device and the um, and the Mac is improved. But really, the big announcements today, I think, were iOS, and they spent a long time on that, which was smart. It was a two-hour keynote. But it felt like it went really, really fast. So They really jammed a lot of information into it. And I've written all this up. I won't babble on about it, because uh, you can look it up. I'm, I'm sure you'll spend some time reading what you want to read about. I just wanted to give you a, a quick update. Um, the um, the iOS 10, which will be out in September odd, when the new iPhone comes out, iOS 10 will, um, will have a bunch of features. To be honest, uh, two main things for me are really Siri, is updated so Siri will be available to developers and the best example of that is Uber I think oh, that's probably a silly one or Uber or, or WhatsApp so WhatsApp right now you can't do, really do much with outside of the app itself but with Siri integration WhatsApp will be able to build in so that you'll be able to say hey Siri WhatsApp Amanda hey babe I'll be home in 20 minutes and it will send her, her that message via WhatsApp because it's smart enough to use that intelligence to know I wanted to use that app to send that message whereas right now I can only text or iMessage. So that's good. I'll be able to say, hey, Siri, um, call me an Uber going to the airport. And it will book a car, set the destination. It's all done. You know, That kind of integration is excellent stuff. And I think it'll really make a difference to the way we utilize Siri. I don't really use Siri much. And I think it's because we don't have great integration like that. Um, but iMessage is going to be really cool. You know, you know, Facebook message, WhatsApp, WeChat, <coughs> all these apps doing amazing things with, you know, cool emojis, uh, bubbles, uh, uh, stickers, all these things. Well, all that's going to come to iMessage and they've opened iMessage to developers. So developers will be able to create, you know, sticker creations, whatever they like for iMessage. And so you'll be able to, when you're sending a message, you can say, um, uh, if someone says to you, oh, "I have got a new job, you say great news. Well, it's just a boring bubble, right? But you can say great news and you can set it to be, you know like an impact style bubble so it comes up on their screen as like it flows in and it's a big message and then it goes back to normal or it, or it can be gentle so you can say you know um uh, congratulations and it just comes up really subtly you can have a invisible ink so the when the message appears on their screen it, they can't read it and they have to wipe their finger over it to un-reveal uh, the text silly little things that i think I actually think there's been a lot of silly things Apple have announced over the years which have kind of not come to nothing, but I think this will go well for them. I think people do use iMessage uh, a lot, and I think, um, I think those will be good enhancements. But remember, you're going to have to update to iOS 10. That'll come when the new iPhone comes out. I'd be very interested to know what you think of a lot of those announcements. If you're an Apple user, which ones kind of resonate with you? Which ones are you looking forward to? Um, but as I say, I think uh, I think I might use Siri more, and I think iMessage is a is a really good thing. So um, that's it from uh, from San Francisco. I uh, did say at the start, but I, I'm not going to go into great detail because of the length of the show. But we do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel, the Go Play waterproof, dustproof smart. Um, Waterproof, dustproof, shockproof smartphone. We proved that last week. We had it on uh, Today Extra, and David Campbell threw it across the studio. So very shockproof. Um, uh, $299 available at Big W. Great smartphone for anyone, but certainly for uh, for kids uh, or active people who uh, get in the water and might drop their phones a bit. The Alcatel Go Play, Big W, 299 And, of course, Garmin. Satellite navigation, GPS technology. Check out the range of Vivo Fit um and vivo active products the smart watches that uh, track your health and fitness using the garmin connect app fantastic stuff from garmin check them out at garmin.com.au that is all from san francisco i'll be back in the studio next week got a bunch of calls lined up Uh, sorry to those people who are interested in chatting this week i wasn't going to do calls from san Fran. we'll get back to them next week a normal show next week um, from Sydney bunch of things going on in the, in the meantime and um, beautiful cars to drive so we will be back in town in a couple of days until then thank you for listening thank you for downloading get in touch anytime you want go to eftm.com.au jump on Twitter at Trevor Long talk to you next week